Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Give it to me! Oh, hello, everyone. I am Molly Wood. And I'm Tom Merritt. Give it to me. It is It's a Thing. Welcome to It's a Thing, the podcast where we have trenchant commentary on all of the most important trends, happenings, intellectual discussions, and old-timey baseball that you can possibly even think of. Yes, if you're not getting our bonus material on the Patreon, do check out our 1800s baseball discussion. (laughs) I, I'll understand if you want to skip just this one time. See, uh, I know, I know what back. trenchant, I know what trenchant's usage is, but I hadn't. I was like, "What does it actually mean?" I just looked it up. Vigorous or incisive in expression or style—that's us, right? Isn't that us? Just That's like so in us. a nutshell. Yeah, it's a thing. It's trenchant. Trenchant. <laughs> it's a thing. Something Moose Hunnewell would say back in 1999. <laughs> Good old Mister Cuppy. That's the end of that. We're going to stop way, making. By the yes. way, uh, we are having drinks. And we are. As I ran, as I ran off to to make my my drink, because I was going to make a gin and tonic, I I shouted out, "Be back in a jig!" And I you stopped did. myself because a a jigger is a measure of something that yeah that you pour, but I just, just but no yeah nope no mm. things are mm-mm. you no. just. I mean, even if it even if it's not, you just want to stay on that no. side of the line. <laughs> stay way, way on that side. Way so, on that uh, side. So two shakes yep. of a lamb's tail, I lamb's think, is fine. We can shake tail. lamb's tail, right? Sh- I mean, I, I assume the lamb is shaking its own tail. It's consensual. The lamb <laughs> chose to shake its own tail very quickly. <laughs> oh God, huh. I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna move this train to a different track immediately. Thank you. Yes. Um, I Before we even jump into our things, I, I've decided I want to assign Tom a thing. Okay. Is the, because I've seen you now mentioned several times on the social mm. gin and tonics oh. and fancy gin. Right. And is this a new thing for you or have you always been a gin and tonic guy? I've always dabbled in the gin and tonic. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, mm. I've, the gin and tonic has kind of been my, I don't know what else to drink. I'll have a gin and tonic. I always enjoy it. Uh, but uh, the, you're, you're following the history of, of one Joe, <laughs> Joe, my producer on Tech Republic's Top 5, uh, who gave me a BevMo gift card for Christmas. And I bought St. George's Terroir Gin with it. Uh, and made a gin and tonic. I put it on Instagram. Uh, I'm sure I've mentioned it on Twitter. I mentioned I drank one on the beginning of Sword and Laser last week. Uh, so because I used the gift card to buy the gin, now I want to drink the gin. And I found some really good tonic, which is Q tonic. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe gin and tonic is starting to become my thing. Maybe a podcasting thing. Mm-hmm. It certainly uh-huh. is at that. Yeah. It makes this I am lovely having, uh, clinking. I'm sound. having it. Oh, see, that's impressive. I don't really have that. I'm. You can't tell, but I'm doing that douchey wine thing right now where I'm swirling it in the glass and I'm admiring the legs. All of those things are happening. Oh, nice legs. I'm having, I am having a very nice uh, red wine. I happen to belong to a 
wine club. Mm. Yes. But it, it's, a, it's a wine club that I signed up for at my school auction. <laughs> nice. That's which, great. Right. Which makes it like less Thule, uh-huh. but also way more awesome because a mom at my son's former school, elementary school, uh, is a master sommelier, which is amazing. And she's one of only like 100 women master sommeliers in the world. What a great um, prize. Yes. And she, because they have lots of friends in the wine business and her husband is a retailer, they curate this wine club from like basically cast out, you know, they know the editors of wine magazines Mm -hmm. and they get a bunch of stuff sent to them and it's like more than they can drink. And so they curated this wine club out of it. And now I am ruined for wine forever. Yeah. Ruined. Because it's just like absurdly good. It's basically like you have a personal sommelier. Yeah. Exactly, and and they're getting wine that's way more. Like I'm, I am firmly in the thirteen dollars for a bottle of wine camp, or at sure. least I was. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like I get it. I sh- I split it with another friend, mm-hmm. and we get it. And so we split up the bottles, and we we look up the prices every time. And now I'm like, I don't know, this one's only twenty six dollars. What a letdown! <laughs> like what? I would never actually spend that much in real life. Right, anyway. right, right. But so twenty six having... used to be when, when, when I'm right there with you. Twenty six used to feel like splurging. Right. <laughs> now it's like. Oh, the rock, rock, rock bottom acceptable. Like, oh, I know, right. like, I guess, but better pick it up next month. Anyway, I'm having a wine from that. Now I feel like I need to go get the bottle so I can tell you what it is. But I didn't. No, but, but I can. No, it's lovely. lovely. But I won't. But it's lovely. Anyway, we're having wine and gin and tonics because it's Sunday. <laughs> Wait, that sounded all wrong. As soon as I started <laughs> to say that out loud. It's kind of Saturday. I don't know. I grew up um, Catholic. Having wine on Sunday feels perfectly right to me. That's true. Good point. We are, we should say, pre-taping this episode because right. as it turns out, Hawaii is a thing. And me and Tom are both going, yeah. but not together. No. We kind of barely overlap, but it wasn't even planned. It's just just random chance. Yeah. So uh, we'll be one or the other of us out of town for the next two weeks, but fear not. You will have new episodes both of those weeks. Yeah, this is one of them. If you're and this is to one it. of them. Yep. Uh, and uh, and in the Discord, I believe Miss M and MacGruber Giver are listening. So you guys are spoiled. Sorry. Hello, friends. Hello, Discord. Get um, yourselves a drink and settle in. But we'll also uh, be doing. Uh, we'll be pre-recording uh, a great idea uh, that I can't remember. Was was it you that had the idea at first? I don't. I don't. This is, awesome idea which is going back to the old it's a thing twitter account and checking out hits and misses yeah and we we were sort of doing this in the first episode that we recorded in our reboot mm-hmm. <laughs> of, the, of this year of the end of 2018 um just going back and seeing what we got right and wrong and then we thought it would be really fun somebody thought we all thought we all pan thought that it would be a great Definitely. idea to uh do hits and misses and i'm just going to sp- I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek ahead to next week. Mm. I'm just saying we didn't have that many misses. Look at us. Mm-hmm. You know, we say we're not expert trend identifiers, but our record speaks for itself. That's right. <laughs> You'll uh, see. My, I, I want to get to my first thing because it's almost an, an un-thing. Like yeah. a thing that is, I think becoming less of a thing and also this is not new if you listen to sports talk radio you've heard this theory but I'm, i want to explain it in the context of my personal experience uh i think the nfl really is declining in popularity mm-hmm. and the yes. re- reason i say that is 
obviously everybody's been talking about, wow, the ratings are down and people are tired of this and that and et cetera, et cetera, and concussions. And it's been building for a while. But my personal experience with it was today. Now, granted, a big part of this may be the fact that I'm in Los Angeles, which is a weird market. They didn't even have two football teams until three years ago. Now they, they didn't have any, and now they have two. Uh, and it's just kind of a like, do we have football? Did we remember that? Are we okay with that? Do we like them back? So some of it's that. But it's the championship game of the NFC. The winner goes mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl. I am in uh, an area in Culver City near where my wife is getting her hair cut. And I decide I'm just going to walk down the street to the bar and watch the game. And I'm thinking as I'm walking there, like, it's probably going to be way too packed. I'm not even I'm too, you know, I should have prepared. I walk in and there's like five people in the bar. Wow. I walk right up to the bar. The bartender notices me right away. Right. And just is like, oh, hey, what do you want? I like get a beer. I sit down. Great seat right in front of the huge screen. This is a sports bar, by the way. This is not like, oh, well, maybe people just don't go to this bar for football. No, this has got a massive like 100 inch projection screen plus 30 other screens, some of which are showing hockey and soccer. Like this is a bar meant for people who like sports. Right. Uh, the kickoff happens. There may be like 10 people in the bar and there are definitely seats available. And this is wow. the hometown team, the Los Angeles Rams, playing in the championship. Now, granted, by the by the end of the first quarter, it was standing room only. Like, people showed up eventually. <laughs> I don't think that really but, is the well, object yeah. lesson you think it might be. No, no, no. I, it definitely isn't. I, 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 I don't want to—I don't want to—I want to give all the data and say, well, people did end up showing up. But this is a championship game. This is the kind of game where people, you know, stake it out early and get there before kickoff and make sure they order their food and— and and people were sort of sauntering like, oh, right, the Rams game. And they were like the, these three younger people, probably college age, and they were explaining to their friend like, now, if the if the Rams win this game, they go to the Super Bowl, right? It was that, oh, kind, of, it was that okay. kind of crowd. Right. Uh, even, even when it got to the standing room, there were a few people with Rams gear on, but I'd say less than 50%. All that's to say, like, maybe, maybe that's just an L.A. thing, but... I do feel like there's just less buzz around the NFL than there used to be. It used to be like everything stopped when the Super Bowl came, right? And that was it. That was the end-all, be-all of, of sports in the U.S. And I th- I think like everything else, like music, like TV, uh, it is start- sports is starting to fragment. And people are like, well, mm-hmm. I'm actually interested in this sport and this sport, and there's more to choose from. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that uh, it is fair – it is important to point out that we do live in both of us, I think, in slightly skewed markets. I mean, I live in the market where the Raiders play, at least for another <laughs> nine or ten days. Right. <laughs> and even then, I mean, I, you know, when I lived in, let's, for example, Omaha, Nebraska, turns out Huskers football is a pretty big deal in that state. And on a Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. you could go anywhere and do anything and park anywhere, right? Because, yeah. like, nobody was around doing anything. And I think there are still markets where that happens a little bit around the NFL. So the places I imagine that Green we live, Bay, Green Bay is still crazy from what I could tell. Totally. My brother lives up in Wisconsin. Um, but I agree, but I have to say I 100% agree with you and I am a big sports fan. Like I will watch the finals of any sport. I don't care what it is. I like to have sports on in the background. I follow it and I've always been I was a sports reporter. Like mm. I love it. I walked away from the NFL three or four years ago and have not looked back. I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I cannot support this. Like I cannot support a league that consistently enables abuse of women and children. And 
not for nothing, abuse of its own players, which I think just became a bigger and bigger story. And then, of course, over the last couple of years, you've just had this all of the kneeling stuff. And it was just like, you know what? I just I'm not interested in this. And then on top of that, it does feel it does feel increasingly anachronistic. Like, it's just a sort of like, you know what? This is like old fashioned. And there's still there's still all the like the NBA has become such an innovative league in so many other ways, like around social. And they're the ones that are like hot on Instagram and basketball culture is so cool again. I mean, it Mm -hmm. reminds me of like really how much my brother and I were into it in the days of the Michael Jordan Bulls. And it just feels like basketball is pulled ahead as the cooler, more modern, like hipper, big American sport. Yeah, no, I I think you're right about that, and 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 this is not to say we think the NFL is dead; it's over. You know, I I think the NFL will remain very popular. The Super Bowl is still going to be the biggest thing on TV for years to come, but it's just not as big. We're finally kind mm-hmm. of instead of every year it gets bigger and bigger. I think we may have reached that apex, and uh, and and the NBA definitely. I I don't even really have a team or watch the NBA that often. But it definitely feels to me, as someone totally outside that sport, like, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the sport everybody talks about. And it's interesting, right? Because I think what you're pointing at, and this is like, it's a zeitgeist thing. This is what makes it a thing versus not a thing. Mm -hmm. There's one, it's one thing (laughs) to have this sort of fact-based conversation about the ratings and the numbers of kids who are are going out for football and the amount of money that players get paid and that go into teams and ticket sales and all of that stuff that is empirical data that is important, don't get me wrong, but once it becomes a a question of zeitgeist, that's when I think you reach a tipping point. And the zeitgeist is just not that into football. And on top of that, the, the, in a, so yes, and as, as they say in improv, mm-hmm. I think there's also more to choose from. I mean, just entertainment-wise, there's more to choose from. Totally. Sports is, is no exception to that. Everybody's fighting. You know, Netflix is like, our biggest competitor is Fortnite, right? Like, And the NFL's big competitor is also Fortnite and esports and, and all of that. But even in sports, more people are like, well, I actually like watching, um, you know, Olympic sports and there's a whole channel for me called the Olympic channel and I can just watch that mm-hmm. all the time and that's what I'm going to watch and some people want to watch the golf channel that's been around forever some people want to watch international soccer premier league soccer uh, in fact while we're watching soccer. the Rams game today in this bar yeah. all of a sudden when nothing is happening in the football game we hear a cheer from the corner from like three people and Barcelona has just scored in their game. Uh, and, and, and there's like some soccer fans in the sports bar, like making more noise in, in some ways than the Rams fans were. So totally. I think it's just it's also like everything else fragmenting to where I don't think any league can have as big of a potential audience as it could have. I feel like even actually the very idea of live sports is increasingly anachronistic all by itself. Like it's just hard for me to imagine And football suffers from this more than other sports do because it is four-hour broadcasts with nonstop commercials. Like imagine imagine anybody you know under the age of about 25 and imagine them sitting and doing any single thing for four hours during which time – only 19 to 22 minutes are actual content and the yeah. rest is ads. Football's advantage was it only had 16 games unlike the 162 major league baseball games, right? So you can yeah. keep up, you can watch every game, but it, it is a, it is a trudge. Yep. 
that attention span just yeah. isn't there anymore. I really don't think it is. And so honest, I think that's be, why you're seeing nine, any game should be ninety minutes. Max. Baseball games used to be like less than two hours. You know, right. back in the eighteen hundreds or whatever. But, but you know, they like. The the fact that games baseball football go three four hours I I watched for ninety minutes today and then I was done with my beer and I left and went for a yeah. walk I didn't finish watching the game in that sports bar I I just went and entertained myself other ways Yep I also just just saying as a trend alert I don't think you can underestimate the increase in interest in soccer that oh, no. is a, that's, I think that's really true too Yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe not all over I think it's telling it's that with all the hockey games that were on including a local uh a local I, was it the Ducks I think it was the Ducks maybe um but a local hockey team was playing at the same time nobody was cheering for that Yeah the cheering came for Barcelona Yep I mean I see that trending on Twitter all the time mm-hmm. like I see various things about soccer trending on Twitter and I'm always like what oh there yep there you go It it's coming up yeah, I'm with you. I I agree with your trend spot. Now, do you want me to go with my other one or do you want to alternate? I don't know. Is your other one related? Uh, no, it's not related in any way. Okay. Then I'll I'll take a turn. Take it. Um I went on a field trip and got this is like hilariously the opposite of talking about football. I got my culture on. Oh, yeah. Um, All right. This Sports weekend. and culture. Yep. So I've been thinking about this thing that I think is a thing, and it's certainly a thing for me. I love it when uh, that happens just naturally in the course of the show. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing bomb. So I have this idea that there is a growing trend in design and decor, at, which is counterintuitive in this age of Marie Kondo, but it's a uh, maximalism. Oh. Like more stuff in your house, not less stuff in your house. And I kind of, I think I maybe saw that word somewhere as a hashtag or something. And I was like, I love this. This is like, this is a great, I want to be a maximalist in a way. This is counterintuitive. Yeah. Right. So it's, the reason it's so interesting is because like, it's coming at the exact moment that Marie Kondo, although honestly, if you actually read her book, which I did not, but, (laughs) but if you sort of pay attention to what she's really saying, it isn't necessarily get rid of all your stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. It's saying, make sure the stuff you have brings you joy. Right. And that there's a reason for it. Like, be conscious about the stuff that you have. It's not Which, get rid of the stuff. It's, and it's not like you should have white walls with virtually nothing on them, like, you know, like an Apple store. No, it's, it's, you could have your walls full of stuff and clutter as long as everything you're looking at makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. And as long as it somehow works for you. Mm-hmm. And, So I actually think that goes perfectly with maximalism, which, as it turns out, when I Googled it, when I DuckDuckGoed it, is in fact a trend. It is in fact a big design trend that just like started to peak toward the end of 2018 and is going to be a bigger trend in 2019. And I could not be more excited that it is a real thing because I love a house that has like stuff to look at. Like I want it to be a little like a museum where you walk through and there's like joyful things. And part of this does coincide with, I don't know, some stage of adulthood that I have finally hit because my whole life I've been like one of those people who's function, function, function. Like I never buy things just because they're pretty. Yeah. (laughs) Ever. Like not like jewelry, not, I mean, I buy cool shoes and purses and stuff, but I've I've never understood knickknacks as a concept. Ah. I'm like, what does it do? And I don't know if it's that I really like my house now or the plant thing, mm-hmm. but 
lately, like I bought a little candle holder and I bought like a little like wooden bird ornament thing and I hung it on my curtain rod because it looks pretty. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is really fun. And then if someone comes in my house, they can look around and be like, oh, where'd you get this bird? Or where'd you get this like Mayan mask? And, you know, yeah, you, yeah. it's like becomes part of your story. And I don't know. I love it. And oh, all so. And then what's great about that is that I've become obsessed with maximalism. It seems to be a real thing. It doesn't have to be the anti-Marie Kondo. And then I went to, at the Oakland Museum of California, which is like the greatest museum, you guys, they're having an Eames exhibit, Ray and Charles Eames, who you may only know, most people only know, as the creator of the famous Eames chair or the Eames lounger. So they were titans also. I didn't know this until I went to the exhibit. There were they were a married couple. Ray is a lady. Mm-hmm. I thought they were brothers like this oh. whole time because I am like a little Eliza Doolittle eh. in the world. Didn't know anything. The way, the way the world tra- trained us to believe, I'm sure. I I guess so. But yes, yeah, so they were a married couple. Charles got all the credit. But they were sort of titans of mid-century design, mm. and they pioneered the method of uh, molded plywood. And so they're very famous for this look where the wood seems to sort of undulate and right. Um, okay. Yeah, and they they made these famous loungers that you would you we will you will see a photo on our website, but they're they they're like black tufted leather, and then they have this molded plywood back, and they come with a um, an ottoman, and they're just so beautiful. But they also designed that really sort of you almost think of it as a school chair or like IKEA chair, mm-hmm. where it's just this sort of simple chair with that's fiberglass. Uh, with no arms. But so over the years, mid-century modern has become really synonymous with like annoying type A people. Like you think of it as this really fussy, extremely minimalist design. Right. And when I went to the Ames exhibit and saw pictures of their house, for example, and then looked at all the things they did with like colors and triangles and and just funky – and they had like – Turkish carpets on the floor and mm. they had just weird like dolls all over their house. Like they were maximalists. <laughs> well, they did. They didn't at all. And in fact, Ray Eames, there's a quote on the wall from 1959. And he said, what finally matters is that your house works the way you want it to and that it is a pleasant place to be in. I, I, I'm pulling principles out of this right now, just, just off the cuff, which is you, you shouldn't have anything out in view because you think you should. Mm. You should have it out because you want it there. Whether you want it there because it works for you, whether you want it there because it brings you joy, but you should have things out in your home because of that. And it goes along with the principle that I have always tried to follow, which is don't keep a lot of stuff if you can't see it. Right. Right. If it's just invisible. And I don't, I mm-hmm. don't mean don't keep your silverware in a drawer. I'm, obviously, keep your silverware in a drawer. That's fine. <laughs> you see it because you use it. You open the silverware drawer and you pull out the silverware. Even, even the special china that you only pull out once a year for Thanksgiving, you see it, right? I'm talking about stuff that goes in a container in the garage and you never open it. Right. That's just a personal principle. And I feel like that ties into condo, which is like, hey, if it can't be bringing joy if it's sitting in a container somewhere. And it ties into maximalism because it's like, hey, put that stuff out. And if, put it out. And if you don't enjoy putting it out, maybe get rid of it. Exactly. Put it out. Have a wonderful conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Let it show who you are and what you believe as opposed to like, I took a picture out of Dwell and tried to recreate it in my right. house. Yeah. It's sort of like, 
I, re- I I almost think that there is an interpretation of Kondo that is all about maximalism, that is all about like having just a, an explosion of plants and colors and knickknacks. And I don't know. I, I feel like it could really, and that seemed to be what that Ray Eames quote was saying also. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It was really, it was, it was just delightful because I've really been thinking a lot about that lately and I've been buying pretty things on purpose just because they're pretty. And then finally I was like, it's all a thing. I remember going over to people's houses in the late seventies, like my friend's houses and seeing like pictures all up and down the stairwell and plants and vases and thinking like, wow, this house is really cool. Right. Totally. It was not a minimalist situation. I, I think that may be coming back. I think it really is. And I am, I for one am excited and embrace our maximalist future. Also, I um, took a bunch of pictures at the Eames exhibit and I will put them up on the it's a thing.me website and you can look at them later. I know. Slideshows. Maximum delivery for you. Maximum delivery. (laughs) You can print them out and put them on your wall at home, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, sure. It brings you joy. Why not? The stuff looks real good. (laughs) Uh, My other thing for this show is cereal in non breakfast items. (laughs) I love you, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. More, please. There is a trend here in the city of Los Angeles of mostly ice cream, because I think it has to do with the milk, you know, milk on your cereal. Mm. But ice cream being served either with cereal flavors or with cereal mixed in. The the closest one is right up the street from me. Um, and I don't live in the, the hippest area, okay? I'm not like, you know, Echo Park or something like that. I'm I, like, I'm just in a, in a pretty normal neighborhood. But there is a soft serve ice cream place that specializes in mixing in cereal. And we're talking... Captain Crunch, Frosted Flakes, like all the classics, <gasps> right? And you just go in and they have some they have some, you know, suggested recipes where they're like, "Oh, we'll take Cookie Crisp and Cocoa Puffs and, you know, and we call it the Chocolate Surprise or whatever." Or you can just choose. You're like, "I want these three cereals mixed in." And and they like blend it up into the soft serve. So you get little it's it's like like pieces, you know, of of cereal, make it all crunchy in there and you get the taste of the cereal in the ice cream. Dude, I will get in my car and travel a lot of miles <laughs> for frosted flake ice cream. Right. Oh, MacGruber Giver says it reminds me of Cold Stone. It's like, yeah, it's it's basically the principle of Cold Stone in soft serve in this case, but there's also places in LA that do regular ice cream kind of like Cold Stone, but specifically for cereal. Hmm. Huh. I wonder, yeah, cereal as a an ingredient. Okay. Yeah. That's very funny because recently, so over the holiday break when I was traveling, um, my for background, my son does not drink milk. He like rejected milk as soon as he was done having milk, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. at about three. He was just like, I don't like it has never liked it. We never have milk in the fridge. It's just not a thing. And so now he's getting to the age of um, absurd calorie intake. Ah, right. And <laughs> I am in search of cheap and plentiful food supplies. Where he rolls up a 12 inch pizza and eats it like a calzone kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought I had a little more time. <laughs> Before I had to double or triple the food budget, but no, it's here. Right. So when we were in Montana, he, my brother, of course, had bought some sugary cereal or something. And my son, for the first time in his life, ate cereal with milk. Ooh. It was amazing. And so I was like, hallelujah, I have found a cheap and plentiful food source that can be like sneakily whole grain and also has calcium. And right. yay. 
So I went and bought these like hippie, you know, hippie chocolate uh, rice thingies. They're like like rice krispies. Is that what I'm thinking of? But yeah. chocolate. This is how much we cocoa have cereal crispies. in our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I bought like Whole Foods cocoa crisps. And there was a thing on the side of the co- – of course, I had to look at how much sugar was in them. But on the side, it said, these are super good as a topping for ice cream ah. or like on top of yogurt mm. or an acai bowl. And I was like, holy crap, that would be freaking delicious. Yeah. What a good idea. And I had never thought of that before. And I'd forgotten all about that because it was like three weeks ago or something that we bought the cereal. But oh, my goodness. There's there's some other places here in the in the city that are doing like rare cereals, right? Like cereals that you can't find very easily. And then they they pair them with different kinds of milk and stuff. Like it gets weird. Um, but hmm. but it's definitely like using breakfast cereal in non-breakfast ways. For sure. Oh my god, I love this. Also, I love Frosted Flakes. I'm just gonna go in search. Of, like <laughs> the funny I'm thing go is, search. I haven't eaten cereal in forever. I don't eat cereal, no. and I, I never put milk on my cereal, which most people find to be a communist plot and try to get me expelled from the. <laughs> but it turns out you were just cutting edge. Yeah, that whole time. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a bowl of cereal with milk in it today, and I think that was the first time in I I don't know more years than I could even count. I was like, this is hilarious. Cereal for lunch. Well, there We're you go. rebels. Check yeah, back for bananas. our special episode in five years when we find out just how far the cereal trend will go. Exactly. Turns out we'll, be, we'll have been right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think cereal it has suffered from the gluten-free situation mm, mm-hmm. a little bit, but now it's like maybe creeping back up as like yeah. a... Maybe, you know maybe gluten-free is going back to being, oh, I don't know, for people who actually have sensitivity to gluten... <laughs> No, nah, it's never going to happen. Don't get crazy. But what seems to be happening is that cereal is finding a new market as an unabashed mm-hmm. treat. Right, right. You know? Yeah, Just yeah. Just put it in the sweets, yeah. And taking advantage of the retro trend. Thank you, Seinfeld. Boom. Um, all right, my next thing uh, I'm going to warn all of you is going to make some of you dudes slightly uncomfortable. Just but relax, dudes. It's going to be fine. Like, not all of you, because a lot of you are also manscaping. Mm-hmm. And I think... That that might be what is contributing to this thing being a thing is that the entry of men into this yeah. behavior broadens and that, the market. It broadens the market for at home waxing. Hmm. At home waxing is a thing, and the wax that you can buy, and the like variety, and the places that waxing is showing up. It's so, it's sort of like how hair color has become a huge thing. I yeah, don't know yeah. if this is, you know. All right. And so now in the grocery store, it's like you can find any color you want in sort of like temporary hair dye. Like yeah, you used to have to go find then, a special shop to get the, the manic panic, right? And now it's everywhere. Right. right. Now it's everywhere. And wax is in that same category. It's showing up just like in every beauty aisle and hair in removal. the safe way. Hair removal wax, right? We are. T- oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. We are yeah. totally talking about hair removal wax. Just in, I'm sure most people picked up on that, but just in case. But you never know. Just to just to drive home how really uncomfortable we're going to make you guys. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's the thing that's so weird about it is the idea is painful, right? Like I need someone else to do it because I don't want to do it to myself. But apparently people get over that and like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. And so then they're making like better and better wax and there's just all these different kinds. And it's like, do you want the blue kind or the kind with the strips or the kind with the stick? And it's a whole shaboodle. And I actually associate it less with bikini waxing and more with this weird thing that is happening with women social pressure, which is like baby armpits. Like just look around. 
baby smooth armpits. Like look around and that now you're going to start counter, noticing it everywhere. That feels counterintuitive to me because, you know, the 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 stereotype growing up were that those feminists in the hippie movement all have hairy armpits, right? And we have such a movement of of women empowerment right now. You think that would be making a comeback, but apparently not. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, the women empowerment movement is coinciding with the brutal hair removal at the root movement. Ouch. Like it's it's everywhere. Like every you're going to start noticing it now that no woman on TV or on a magazine or mm-hmm. on a commercial or anything has any armpit shadow. When is at the all. promise of a a device that really removes the hair without having to wax or or feel pain going to happen? They, 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 Becky Worley tried out something on me on a show once, like five six years ago. More than that now. Jeez, it was probably like nine years ago. Uh, that was supposed to remove the hair. And it really, I mean, it removed a little bit, but it didn't work. And that seems like it would be a great device for this sort of stuff. And it just, it's not. You have to wax. That's it. That's the way to do it if you really want it to work. I will say, I have done a lot of research into this because I've gotten a little bit obsessed with the baby smooth armpit and mm-hmm. how is it how it is achieved. And there's it, hair removal, for one thing is a many, many, many billion dollar industry. Sure. Many, many billion. And it is def it's gotten better. Like there's the laser treatments, which are pretty expensive, because um, you have to do them several times. But it doesn't it definitely has not gotten less painful. Which I guess makes some sense. Sort of like tattoos haven't gotten less painful either. I mean you are yeah, ultimately I guess so. tearing hair out. I tried an epilator, by the way. Don't oh. do that. <laughs> The epilator is not the thing. But so and Nair, I bring this up. Nair, Nair still works, but that's also kind of burns, doesn't it? I think so. I haven't tried that since I was like a kid. Yeah. I mean, that just like, can you imagine the idea of chemically dissolving yeah, the yeah. hair in your body? Like, no, I think I'm getting a rash just thinking about it. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but part of the reason that I'm drinking wine right now is because after the show, I'm get, I bought an at-home wax kit after reading on the internet about the best ones, and I'm going to try it. I'm going for those like, baby smooth like armpits. This is like in the Western when they give the guy bourbon because they're going to perform surgery on him out in the wilds. You're, you're drinking some wine to prepare yourself for the waxing. I asked my esthetician, I was like, how are you supposed to do this at home? It seems like impossible. I've never waxed the armpits before. And she was like, a couple glasses of wine, girl. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's a prescription. <laughs> I will probably spare you the photos of that on the website, but you could email us if you really want to know. You get, you how get, it uh, out. Photos of the wine would probably be fine, but yeah, everything else. I don't know. Yeah, everything else. Uh, anyway, but the, uh, it at is, the bonus I, level, we won't send you those pictures. At the bonus level, you do not have to see the immediately <laughs> <laughs> the red bumpy agony. Um, but I, I actually really do think like that the hair removal industry is getting even bigger as men enter the fray. I want it to go the other way. I want to. I, I wish we could create trends, right? We're not. We haven't raised our it's a thing powers that that high quite yet. <laughs> not because yet. It's only episode six. I want to create. I want to create the trend where natural hair is cool, and every you know, everyone's perceptions change to like I want to see hair on people's ears and in their noses, <laughs> which I know sounds disgusting because our perceptions <laughs> aren't that way. But yeah. it, wouldn't it just be so much easier for everyone if we're like, oh no, the natural hair you grow is it just makes you even better? Well, as I was sort of mentally preparing for this, not that we do like so much preparation for these episodes, but you know, there is some. And I was thinking about why it became a thing. And I was thinking about, you know, why, like, why did we start removing hair? And why are we so obsessed with that? And, mm-hmm. and it's, and I was running through all the mental answers, like, well, the more hair you have, the more odor you have. And then it was like, well, why are we offended by the human odor? And 
I arrived at what I think is uh, hopefully something that Tom Merritt would also say, which is we evolved to want to avoid the odor of dirt because cleanliness is associated with disease. Mm. And we probably started thinking that all of these things had to do with this idea of a cleanliness that would save us from the plague or something like that. Yeah, I, don't I, think, know. That's, I think that's part of it. Because, and, and I think what it's, what's happened is we've exaggerated it, right? Mm-hmm. Like strong odor is an, in, is an indication of uncleanliness, which, which could be associated with disease. But since advertising came along, we've accentuated it to make us sensitive to even the slightest odor, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, we've, we've sort of fine-tuned it beyond its productive element. The hair thing... The only thing I've ever seen that explains it is less hair makes you per- be perceived as younger because when you're younger, you don't have all the hair growing on your ear and out your nose and oh, stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. I wonder. Well, I am doing some uh, whatever the reasons, and obviously I'm contributing to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> or will be after a couple glasses of wine. Or will be after a couple glasses of wine. Uh, whatever the reasons, the global hair removal wax market in particular is on the rise and expected to reach a value of $18 billion by 2026. <laughs> is there an exchange trade fund for that? <laughs> can anyone <laughs> I know? Can anyone tell that my day job might be a, marketplace? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is there a tracking stock for hair removal? <laughs> Dude, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, like yeah. ETFs are everywhere. Like the, spe- the super specific ones. There's one for space now. I was like, yes, just I'm space. in on that. All right, nice. Just space stuff. Space stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, folks, uh, for supporting us. And uh, I I know we're pre-recording it, but at the time of our pre-record, our shout-outs go to Chaz Watson and Mike Akins, who are supporting us at the It's Your Shout-Out level. We have all kinds of cool things that you can get by supporting us at patreon.com slash it's a thing. Yes, and thank you to those of you, all of you who are already supporting us. It seriously is so awesome. It's like yeah, it's a warm ridiculous. hug. So good. All the time. It is just delightful. Um, please email us. Tell us about your things. Feedback at it's a thing dot me is our email address. You can of course tweet us at Mollywood, at Ace Detect, and at It's a Thing. Absolutely. And uh, like we said, uh, next episode will be a special hits and misses of previous It's a Things. And then we'll be back with uh, regular shows once we're all back from our trips. We'll talk to you then. With our nice, hair free tans. I don't need no wine. Speaking lies. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.